Hi, and welcome back to Reflect Forward. I'm your host, Carrie Siggins, and I hope you're having a fantastic day today. I am excited to bring my guest to you, Alicia Long. I met Alicia through a fellow YPOer who told me I had to meet her. Alicia and her husband, Dane, are the co-founders of Nutter, which is a sustainable nut milk machine. So basically, instead of going to the grocery store and buying coconut almond milk, my favorite, you can do that at your house very easily. And Alicia tells her story of, of how she came up with this idea and how she and hus her husband, Dane, are growing this company. Her goal is to be a billion-dollar valuation in the next couple of years. And she is just amazing. She's a Chinese immigrant who has always known that she's been wanted to be an entrepreneur, uh, but struggled to find her way until they came up with this nut milk machine, the nutter. Alicia is brilliant. She's transparent and um, and so full of energy and vision. I can't wait for you to meet her. So hang tight and I'll be right back. All right, everyone. I am back with Alicia Lawn, who is the founder of, of Nutter, which is going to be just amazing for you to learn about. I did a bunch of research on it before the show, and I cannot get wait to get one because I am an almond milk like fanatic. Uh, so, will you tell us a little bit about yourself and a little bit about the company that you founded? Yeah, of course. So, hi, I'm Alicia. It's an honor to be here on this uh, podcast. So, very excited. I am uh, ex Googler and then ex Amazonian. So I was in the tech world for a number of years until uh, pretty recently, I guess, uh, uh, just uh, in the middle of a pandemic. And I, I moved back from the Bay Area to uh, Columbus, Ohio. So, uh, and I married my husband and uh, started the journey uh, on the e-com. So at, at first the idea came to me. So Nutter is a plant-based milk solution. So. And the reason why I said it's a solution is not it's because it's not only just the hardware that makes a plant-based milk, but also we wanted to provide the convenience for all the consumers and bring back the um, you know nuts and seeds and celebrate this category because a lot of folks you know are lactose intolerant, um, including me myself and also my husband. So we were drinking so much plant-based milk, and uh, most of them they have a lot of added sugars, emulsifiers, gums, and those fillers that you don't want, but manufacturers, in order to keep the products uh, to be shelf stable, they have to put a lot of fillers in those, you know, milk. So, which, you know, to me, doesn't make sense because uh, as consumer, we're buying almost 98% just water and the 2% nuts. And I was like, you know, growing up, because I'm a Chinese immigrant and uh, I moved to the States in 2009 and growing up in China, I always drink homemade based milk. My mom would just grind the nuts and soak it the night before and then grind it and use a cheesecloth strength through and it's just very manual and lengthy process but that's how my mom the last generation and they like to take the time and and you know uh, to make home home uh homemade plant-based milk and i was like well i don't have that kind of time uh, but you know it's 2020 and why don't we have technology for it so that's when i looked at an espresso and i was like ding 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 like there's, a, I guess, a vision that we want is to create the kind of a Nespresso similarly uh, brand for plant-based milk. So uh, my husband, Dane, uh, he is the co-founder and CTO. So he has uh, 15 years of experience in product development, in manufacturing. So 
He's very passionate about solving problems. So me and him work together and then we turn our kitchen into a lab and, you know, basically filter out, uh, figure out how to filter in the nut milk and then how to blend heat, you know, at the same time and then be able to filter it through so that we get really creamy results. So yeah, so after uh, a year of uh, product development and we launched the product in July of 2021. So and we've been growing uh, about 34% month over month uh, since then. So it's been a wild ride. I love that story. There's just so much to unpack there. So let me understand this. Did you move to Ohio, get married and start a company all like in a really short period of time? And I was pregnant and I was working full time. <laughs> so uh, how did you do that? That's amazing. I mean, that that is a lot on your plate. How did you navigate so many major life decisions at the same time? Yeah. So I think biggest motivation is my son uh, because I was pregnant at that time. And then I realized that there's a, a, you know, a lot of preservatives in those store-bought milk. And I was like, well, I can't really drink milk and I wanted to get those nutrients, but I don't want those preservatives. Um, so how can I make it happen? Right. So that's when the, the, the idea came from. And then also uh, another motivation is that a lot of uh, these milk curtains, they um, are ended up going to landfill. They're not recyclable. So I was like, well, there's billions of milk cartons and it's going to be ended up in, you know, as pollution. And I don't want the next generation to have to suffer that. So that's the reason why. And I was inspired by uh, David Edinburgh. Um, so he has a, a show uh, on Netflix. So I was watching a lot of those shows and I was like, you know, I really want to make an impact in this world um, because of my biggest fear is that when I wake up one day, I don't have too much time left and then I haven't done anything meaningful or impactful to to help benefit the, the, the world. So I just wanted to, you know, create something that can make a huge impact, you know, over time and uh, provide some, you know, convenience for normal people like like myself. So. Yeah, so that, that was uh, kind of an inspiration is that uh, sustainability piece. And also, uh, I want to be the, the, the example, uh, leave legacy for the next generation. Yeah, good for you. Good for you. And so did you still work full time while you were starting the side hustle? Or did you decide like, okay, I'm going to go all in, be the mom, figuring out how to be a wife and uh, you know, doing product development for this new product. What was that yeah, like? Yeah, yeah. So I definitely did. And there was definitely very challenging times. And, you know, oftentimes I found myself still up at two or three in the morning and just got done breastfeeding and then um, having to, you know, work on or study how to run an e-commerce company. Because as a first-time founder, I was a technical recruiter in my, my W-2 job uh, before. And uh, I was working for Google and Amazon and a number of tech startups that really helped the companies to build their teams from, you know, small to big. And I helped startups too. And then I, I kind of learned what it takes to build a venture. And I've always wanted to build a venture myself. My entire family, they are um, entrepreneurs. So, and that, that definitely helped me to understand, okay, what it takes to, to build a strong team. So I understand it's not a, just one person, you know, you, you can't just build a whole company by yourself. So it takes a whole village, right? So uh, what I, I kind of identify what I was good at, what I was not good at. So because I was a technical recruiter for my career, so I understand my strong suit is to recruit people. I may not be the smartest in the room, but I can recruit smart people. 
So I just kind of duplicated myself. I hired the first director of marketing and, you know, hired a content marketing manager, hired a CFO, hired a COO, kind of just duplicated myself and then outsourced my, my weaknesses, if you will. And then, so I have, you know, our COO is from Nestle, uh, 14 years of experience at the headquarter. So it really knows in and out about operations that I don't have much knowledge of. So I kind of just assembled the team together. And then uh, over time, and I, you know, there's definitely a learning process and just a lot of uh, sleepless nights. And, but over time, and, and once we kind of outgrew the team and then we have a little bit more resources and building a team, it gets a little bit easier. Yeah, yeah, that's so true. I mean, you just can't, I, I love what you said. You cannot build a company without great people. And it's hard. It's hard, to, especially as a startup, I'm sure, to find people who like buy into the vision and, and are willing to, you know, put, put their whole, you know, heart, soul, you know, blood, blood, tears and sweat into it with you. How do you, how did you motivate? How do you motivate people in this early stage, a startup that you guys are in? I, I always say I don't motivate people. I hire motivated people. Um, because I, I think it's just uh, the fact that I, me, myself, I am self-motivated, right? So I don't need other people to, to motivate me because motivation is temporary. Inspiration is long-term. So that's the reason why I wanted to inspire people who have the same vision. I can articulate what my vision looks like. And then if they, you know, I always say that you need right people at the right place. If, if it's a, a wrong person in the, in the right seat, that does not work. If it's a right person in the wrong seat, that does not work either. So that's a, you know, my hiring principle is that, you know, does this person, you know, fit in culturally, right? Does this person have the drive and the hunger to build a startup? You know, if not, then this is not the right person. If it's a, this person have a lot of experience, but in a different area, that means this person is not the right person for the rock for the right seat. So, so it takes a lot, you know, to obviously interview and, you know, I like to hire slow and fire fast. And mm-hmm. once, you know, um, kind of identify the six core values that we have and that we just, you know, follow that in every single hire and in the interview process that we have um, to find that. And sometimes it, it's hard, you know, if people have really, really great intention, but, you know, it, it's a wrong seat for them and you have to kind of let it go. So, um, that just, uh, you know, nature of the business is never perfect, but, you know, you can always thrive for, for um, you know, perfection. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I totally agree. And hiring for fit on values, that's so important. And a lot of startups, I don't think, you know, take the time to, to really spell that out. And so it's harder to intentionally build your culture. Um, you know, here at Stone Age, our value systems around what we call the own it mindset. We're an employee owned company and we live and breathe it. And I talk to a lot of, of of other business leaders and life hero and all the different things I do. And I'm always amazed at how little value people put in their values or kind of just like roll their eyes or, yeah, we have them, but, you know, they really don't inform our decisions. You, can you talk about what you went through to say, you know, we want to be a value driven company and, and developing your six values? Yeah. So um, I think it all comes from leadership. And first we have to get the buy-in from the leadership. And then when, when I say get the buy-in is that getting them included, right? They are all part of it. So when they are the ones who create the core values, they get to live and breathe it, right? 
So in their leadership, in their own departmental um, meetings, team meetings, or um, monthly or weekly meetings, that they talk about it all the time. So um, it's not something that we just take it off the internet or a book and say, yeah, we want integrity in our like core value. Like integrity is not in our core value. It's a given. Like you have to be in, like have the integrity to, to join the company, right? So, you know, when we create a, a core value is that we actually, uh, because we run a remote company, so it's even harder. And when we don't have people face-to-face and talk about it all the time. So we actually uh, flew in and we went to LA and then we actually spend a whole day and just talk nothing but the core value. Like just, you know, just, you know, brainstorm, just talk about, you know, based on your ex- experience. Each person has a very valuable corporate experience. And then just bring all the brains together and then brainstorm it and then just have them to really live and breathe it on a daily basis. So that definitely helps. Yeah, I agree. We had, I think like, you know, but that same kind of thing, five or six uh, values and they all were very fitting to us. But when we, um, we were, we've been employee owned for a long time, but we, in 2015, we went from a, um, you can invest your own money in the company. Uh, we're paid dividends, like very real investment, very real return on investment um, uh, with our stock program to an ESOP, which is a more of an entitlement. You, know, you get it as, as, as part of your compensation. And we realized that we were losing that what it means to be an owner when people didn't get you know, the, the dividend, that it wasn't meaningful, right? It was just an ESOP statement that they, that they you know, get when they leave the company. And so um, I had to really clarify that. And I was like, you know, these, these values, while I think that they fit us, like it doesn't resonate. It doesn't really just resonate with like, what are the most important things? And so we did something very similar and we took it down to three. Self, self-leadership, practice self-leadership team, be a great teammate. And then customer, right? Deliver on the Stone Age Assurance Promise, which is our, our promise to our customers. And I will tell you what, that exercise of uh, going through that and then really just narrowing it down to those things that were really meaningful to us instead of just a word, like it is a phrase of how, not what we do, but how we be, right? Uh, when we show up every day, it's just been a dramatic shift in, like we talk about our values every day. There is not a time, not a day that doesn't go by that I hear somebody talking about the own it mindset and be a great teammate or I'm practicing self-leadership or I just delivered on the Stony Dishers promise and so I think it's, I think that that's right. It's really important that it comes from, you know, from the group, right? From all areas of the organization that really has to resonate. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And everyone need to, you know, feel like they're a part of it because otherwise they just words, right? So mm-hmm. yeah, very absolutely. important to practice, practice it. And then just, you know, about how many times you also, you, you, you talk about it too. So constantly talking about it and then also will help people to, to resonate. Yeah, to reinforce it. I agree. Yeah. But so I want to switch directions a little bit. Uh, being a Chinese immigrant, uh, so minority owned business uh, in Ohio, can you talk about some of the challenges that you have faced as you started and tried to grow this company? Yeah, many. <laughs> so I think just like any any entrepreneur, you know, out in the in in the world, and when you are an entrepreneur, especially a first-time founder, and it's really, really difficult at, at the beginning, right? And as, you know, at the beginning, especially I went from, you know, uh, being a recruiter in into the entrepreneur 
entrepreneurial. And at first I, I just felt like, you know, very lonely. And I did I wasn't in any part of the organization or any coaches or any advisor. And I didn't even know what, you know, a board means. And then so there was a lot of just learning and pick up a book and literally just do Google. Like Google is my best friend. So I know it sounds very cliche, but I, I'm a believer of abundance. So no matter what it is, right? And then I, I embrace the competition. I assume people have good intention, right? Um, so that's the reason why, you know, I, I like to, to make friends by the same time over time. And then you can tell this person is a, you know, trustworthy or this person is, is not. So, um, so I, I practice that. And then my theory is that, you know, in order to build a team, you have to go out in the network and gather resources. So that's what, what I did um, is that I literally just, at, at the beginning, I didn't know like where to look for the right people. And I just got on Upwork and then I start looking for some contractors and then turn it into like, you know, full time. And then I got on LinkedIn and I connected with people and you know, I got on the phone with them, you know, and some founders are very, very nice. And then they are just, you know, for nothing in return. And they just want to get on the phone and help you out. And then I was like, wow, amazing. Like, I wish I could do that, you know, when I get to that point, right? And then just gathering all the, a lot of resources and start work, network my way through. And, you know, we're in the middle of fundraising right now. So, you know, at first, and I didn't even know what venture capital means. And then I'm just navigating my way through in the venture capital world. And, you know, angel, uh, angel groups, et cetera. And now we can say, you know, we're a VC backed company. And then all because of, um, you don't give up because I had 60, 70, you know, VC said no to me or very politely said, you know, it's not a no, just not yet. Or, you know, we're, we're cheering for you on the sideline, et cetera, et cetera. So I was at a point I was, um, you know, almost wanting to give up. And then I was like, man, I just, you know, maybe after 50, 40, 50 no's, I was just like, oh, like, it's really discouraging and I haven't got one yes from angel group or, you know, um, or VCs. And then is it because of me? Is it because of my company? Is it because of my product? Is it because of the, you know, it just, the self-doubt would come, come up. And then I remembered it, And actually I listened to a podcast and then it was a, 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 a founder for another company. And then he said, I had a hundred no's before I got my first yes. And I was like, oh, I'm just not there yet. So and a fun fact about myself, um, I did door-to-door -door sales for five years before I, uh, well, after I graduated college. So, because I knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur. And then the one of the biggest, uh, well, the skill set that you need is sales, right? So, and I, I really, I was not good at it. So, because English is my second language. So, I wanted to practice English. And then, hence, I, I knock on doors and I was like, hey, you know, if anything, I'm practicing my English. <laughs> but... I was all on a hundred percent commission. That was a fun time of five years. And then, uh, but I learned, you know, um, uh, uh, to, to have tough skin. So, um, and then one day my husband was like, when I was like, really just pulling my hair out and my husband's like, Hey, you knock on doors. You knock on a hundred doors in a day. You only knock on like a hundred VC doors in the last, you know, two, three months. So, you know, and you just, kind of have to knock on more doors. <laughs> I was like, oh, thank you. That's <laughs> if you put that into perspective. And, and I was like, you know what? I just didn't knock on enough doors. And then this funny story is that just after the 60, 70 no's, and then um, I pitched maybe 
five more and four of them say yes, which is That's crazy to me. I know. Wow. This law of averages. So a lot of people just stopped at right before the finish line. I almost did. And I would just that the last little bit, that last 1% is separates people from, you know, good to great. So, and I just remember that and uh, think just from the book or from the podcast and just like, keep going because you're right at the finish line. You just keep going, doing 1% every day and then you'll get there. I love that. Perseverance matters so much. Perseverance and initiative, right? Um, and I always tell people, you know, go for it, go for it, go for it. If you believe in yourself and you dream it, you know, you, you might get those no's or turn down. But if you stop at that first no or 70th no, and you know that this is what you're supposed to do, then you're selling yourself short. So I think that that's uh, brilliant. It's a beautiful story of resiliency. So congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. And we're just uh, getting started. And yeah. I'm really excited about the journey. and. The more uh, people I meet and then the more resources I have, they're just giving us the, the confidence that, hey, you know, you know, there is a light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So let's talk a little bit about the leap from technical recruiting into, you know, building a company. So what did what did recruiting really teach you? I mean, obviously about building a team, but, you know, getting ready for the challenges that leadership was going to throw at you as you are being a scrappy startup. Yeah. So I think it's a lot about kind of a take a holistic view instead of thinking just which role that, because as a recruiter, I'm just, you know, thinking about, okay, which role that I'm trying to fill. Right. And then, but as a employer, and I kind of have to switch the mindset of, okay, why am I recruiting for this role? And also I need to take a look at the organization and see what are the most important roles that we we have in, in order to grow that that team is the the you know growing the top line uh, sales is your primary goal or growing the the margin or growing the bottom line and you know the the key is we want to have attention in the most important areas right so just having that mindset, just um, doing a, a kind of a organizational design and then um, and having good leadership is important. So I think just kind of adopting that mindset of growing your leadership team first, and then you can have a good foundation and then rinse and repeat and build their teams. Uh, at the beginning is always the hardest because I've helped startups to grow from two people to a couple hundred people. And then that, that, initially it's always hard because, you know, as a startup and as you may know, smaller company, it's harder to recruit people. Once you get to, you know, the Google or Nestle, it's just so much easier. So um, I think it's just uh, uh, finding people who have the vision and then is, you know, willing to to ride along with you um, is, is very important. Yeah, absolutely. And what's been, you know, the biggest surprise from a leadership perspective running a company or maybe the biggest mistake you've made? Like what's the aha or lesson learned that you weren't expecting? Uh, I think just in terms of, and then we're still young and we're, I mean, we really started the company in July of last year. So it's been only 14 months, but I feel like I'm, we've already been learning so much. 
I think it's not necessarily a mistake, but we are learning along the way of how to be more efficient, right? So at first, I just felt like I was an octopus and I'm just dipping my toes in everything, sales and finance and organ, you know, operations and, you know, but later on, and I realized that having mental clarity and delegate and trust people is so important so that you can focus on the most important thing. So to me is the three most important elements in the organization is marketing, finance, and operations. We have to have all three cylinders going at the same time at the same speed. If one department is falling short, do not have a good leadership, and you know the other two just kind of like, uh, what do we do? Or the company is not gonna be growing as fast, right? Because as a venture, and then we are, we are seen as the, you know, hockey stick, right? So in order to achieve that hockey stick, we really, really need to set really good foundation. So really getting yourself kind of um, having them into clarity and then getting the great people in those seats. And then you can have put processes in place. Because to me, the difference between the mom pop shop and a franchise like Starbucks is that franchise have got the system down. They've got processes for everything, right? So that they can raise and repeat and on a scale. So if you want to scale the company, what I realized is that, you know, we have to have those processes in place and have the good people who have those experience in building really solid frameworks. And then we can raise and repeat and then really growing in any market. So Obviously, we have still have a lot of growth to do, but that's how it, it got us from where we were, you know, just a year from now to now, you know, our current run rate is $8 million. So I think, you know, for, for a company wants to do big things and then we have to have these systems and processes in place. And I know that you work with a coach, right? We both work with uh, CEO Coaching International. So tell me a little bit about how that came to be and how your coach is helping you with some of these, you know, fundamental business learnings that you are you know, knee deep in right now. Yeah, for sure. So my, my coach is Megan Watkins. So she is a GOAT. Um, so greatest of all time um, using acronyms. <laughs> so um, and because uh, I first, you know, being a new mom, and also a new entrepreneur, it was very challenging, right? Nerve wracking. And then sometimes I have a lot of self-doubt. So I knew that I, I needed a role model to some, a North Star that I, I can model after. So, you know, obviously I, I was searching online and I found a, a platform is called Mentor Pass. And then I actually met Megan through that platform first. And then she introduced me to CEO International, which is much more uh, of comprehensive and then also very uh, resource, like a lot, a lot more resources in the, in, the, in the space. So she introduced me to a lot of resources that we have nowadays. And then I'm just really grateful. You know, for example, the hiring agency that we use, and then she connected me with investors and she connected me with a lot of, uh, you know, retail uh, partners and then salespeople. So she herself and then just very valuable uh, to the company. And then she she also believe in our vision, which I really appreciate. And then also she's someone that I can just call in the middle of the night. And, you know, when, when I have a mental meltdown, you know, when my one-year-old is crying and, 
you know, my business is not like doing so well. And I was just like, I don't know what I'm doing. And then you have those moments, no matter how big the company, you know, is. So um, to have a North Star who has been through, been there before, and is also a female is, is huge because she can understand what I'm going through. And she's like, Alicia, I just remember she said, you know, I know it sounds cliche, but it, it's like giving birth and having a company is like giving birth. So you don't know what to expect until you actually had your kid. And then you're like, oh, okay, I did that. And then, so it's the same, it's the, it, she's like, my sound cliche, but trust me, believe me, I've been through that. I've done it before. You will be fine. And then just trust your instinct and then you'll get there. You'll get through the hump and then you'll get there. So sometimes you just need that encouragement to keep going, essentially. So, yeah. So I'm very grateful to have Megan in my life. I work with Chris Larkins and uh, he's amazing. Same thing for me. I'm in, of course, a much different stage of my business uh, than you. Not an entrepreneur, hired gun, even though I run an employee-owned company. But my goal is to get us to a billion-dollar valuation. And, um, and do that with no outside capital. We'll see. Wow. Uh, that, that's my goal. And so I really appreciate like one, his experience, but two, like he held, holds me accountable to keep creating that, that vision and that plan, right? So easy to just like get mired down in the, in the day-to-day stuff. And not that there's not important things and details that have to be taken care of, but in the day-to-day, but you know, I have to be thinking about that bigger vision. And, and so that's one of the areas that he's really helped me stay focused is, all right, you know, how are we going to double? And then how are you going to double again? And let's put these activities in place. And let's think about your acquisition strategy and all of those things. Um, and so it's been super helpful for me to have him. All right. Well, thank you for sharing uh, your experience with coaching. Um, I'm a huge believer in it. It's awesome that you're working with them too. Um, so I have a couple more questions that I'd like to ask you before we wrap things up. Um, so the name of this podcast is Reflect Forward. And I'd like to know what does Reflect Forward mean to you? Yeah. As I was uh, mentioning about my my fun fact, which is uh, I did door-to-door for five years. And from that experience, I had a lot of resentment because when I was uh, doing the door-to-door, a lot of people say, oh, get a real job. And then some people say, oh, you know, you have to live off, uh, you know, 100% commission probably because you can't get a job or why don't you just join the um, corporate job and then just make a salary. And, you know, it's just a lot of negative feedback and even from my family. So I, at first, and that I was living in um, kind of the shadow of, of that experience. And then I was like, you know, may- maybe I'm just a salesperson. Maybe I, I can't be an entrepreneur. Um, many, many years I had nightmares of knocking on doors. <laughs> but, you know, I think fast forward to, you know, obviously I'm not uh, nowhere near uh, close to where I want to be. But I think compared to just a couple years ago, I am at a much better position is because I have hope and I you know, really sat down and asked myself, does it service me? The resentment, does it service me? And is it, does it help me to get to a, become a better person or get to the better position? If it doesn't, then I need to learn how to let it go and be grateful that I have that experience. Because of those experiences I learned, 
of work ethic. I learned to have student mentality. I learned to have positive attitude because you got to need those after a couple of doors slamming at you. So, and because of that, I didn't stop in my fundraising process, in my entrepreneurship um, journey. So I kept going and kept going. I said, hey, if that's my worst time, like, you know, I had to knock on doors when it was like storm out and then when it was like snowing and have to knock on doors at 9 p.m. because I have to hit that sales quota. Um, and I was like, if I can go through that, I can go through anything. So I turned the resentment into something that I'm grateful for. So every single day, I'm grateful that I get to work with really brilliant people and get to build a company. And then I get to work from home. I don't have to knock on doors anymore. I know it sounds very cliche, but you know, it, it is the past that don't get def define you. It helped build you into someone who you are. And um, I'm, I'm very grateful to have those experience in my life because I think those are building blocks, right? That's a great story. Thank you so much for sharing that. And I totally agree with you. It is all those, those hard aspects of life, those crappy jobs that you have that teach you so many things. And when you can approach it with gratitude, you know, I mean, I made a ton of bad decisions that helped me get to what, where I am today. And I'm so thankful for it, right? I could feel shame or guilt or resentment and all of those, but instead, if you just fill your, yourself with gratitude, like I did that, I overcame that and helps with, you know, the self-confidence and the resilience that you found to go on. So I really, really appreciate that story. That was fantastic. Yeah. Thank you. And I wanted to kind of reflect something um, just as a, you know, for, for anyone who's a minority or the audience who maybe have the same background, immigrant. So I just like a lot of immigrants and then, uh, you know, came to America in 2009. So uh, growing up actually in a one bedroom apartment. So I was a PhD, poor, hungry, and desperate. So, <laughs> so I, I was saying, I joke about it now, but it was really a, a difficult time, right? And then a lot of times I was like, oh, why, why was I not born in a rich family? Why was I not born with, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars handed to me? And then sometimes I was like, you know, it's not fair. And then when I was younger and I, I truly thought about that, um, but now I'm just like, you know, think. I, I thank my parents like to give my to give me that experience. And then my very uh, I'm in a very vulnerable uh, situation where uh, as a parent uh, now I, I realize and how important it is to create that environment for your next generation. I just want to give my kids everything that I didn't have. Right. So to provide that environment, because I grew up in a one bedroom apartment and I learned that. That's the, the, the environment I don't want to go back to. And I work hard every single day in trying to provide that better environment for my family. So yeah, that's another, I guess, a perspective, um, you know, every day and then just thinking about my past and, you know, uh, that, that kind of would have motivated me too, is that to get to somewhere where I, where I want to be, even though it's hard, you know, along the way, but, you know, as long as you focus on the light at the end of the tunnel and there's always hope. Yep. I love that. It's a beautiful story. Thank you. All right. Final question. If you had one piece of advice to give a leader to, to be the very best at what they do, what would it be? Always be humble. 
I realize that in this journey, there's a lot of things I don't know. And then in the meantime, I'm learning from everybody that I come across and networking. And if you feel stuck, always, always remember the resource is it, always believe and there's abundant of resources. So even if you are stuck, no matter what you're stuck with, there's always resources. So as long as you keep trying, that there's no failure. Well, Lisha, it has been such a pleasure to get to know you. I am so rooting for you. I'm going to buy a nutter. Uh, I love it and I want to support you. And I just cannot wait to see all the amazing things that you go out and do. This is fantastic. Yeah, I appreciate it. And uh, we're we're obviously expanding. There's a lot of fun, exciting uh, news is coming out. And uh, stay tuned. And uh, you can find us on Instagram and also on YouTube and a couple other social media. And uh, we're very excited to launch a new product, which is another blends. Uh, is helping customers with, you know, if you want to make your plant-based milk a little bit more fun, uh, we're actually launching the the uh, Nutter blends. So uh, different flavors and adaptogens, vitamins and minerals. So it's a very interesting sector that we're, we're tapping into health and wellness. So uh, stay tuned. That's wonderful. Well, I will cl- include all of those in the show notes. And just so everybody knows, it's spelled N-U-T-R. Mm-hmm. So don't go to the show notes and you want to go look them up. Um, the website is the N-U-T-R, the nutter.com. Um, I was just on it going like, Ooh, I can't wait to buy one of these. So, uh, but I will include all that in the show notes. So, well, best of luck to you, Alicia. So glad you're on the show. Can't wait to have you back in a couple of years when you tell me that you, you know, far surpassed your $10 million goal. <laughs> oh, it's going to be, uh, hopefully Q1 of next year. So that's awesome. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hopefully next time, uh, you know, that I, I get to meet you in, in person, why, uh, YPO or CEO yeah. International. That, that's always my goal is like to uh, get a play with the, you know, the, the big whales. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, uh, I appreciate that. I do too. So, uh, well, thank you so much. And, uh, and I look forward to meeting you in person and hang tight, everybody. And I'll be right back. All right, everyone. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Alicia. Go buy one of her nutters. I am going to do it as well. I love almond milk, almond coconut milk, and I cannot wait to try making it myself. If you like this podcast, please be sure to like it, write a review, rate it, subscribe to it, share it with a friend. It helps with the algorithms. I appreciate it so much. Have a great day and I'll see you next week.